the blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast From Our Past podcast. We're the podcast that gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and a whole lot more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm Adam. I'm John. And today we have got a Valentine's episode for everybody of something sweet and loving and romantic. Love is in the air, people. Love is in the air. And we thought we would bring the two most romantic things we could think of. (laughs) Sleepless in Seattle, fantastic romantic chick flick comedy drama thing. AFI Top 10 romantic comedies of all time there you go and married with children (laughs) maybe not so romantic but it's about marriage hey it's about love and marriage exactly (laughs) exactly and that's how we kind of tied it in there um we are also going to be doing a casting a recasting of married with children uh so very excited about (laughs) those two you know i guess they're kind of related but not really very different you need to see both sides both sides of it. Yes, yes, exactly. You know, one is new, fresh love, and one is uh, old, uh, kind of <laughs> withered, but kind of there, love. <laughs> kind of. Uh, all right. Well, Sleepless in Seattle, 1993 is uh, the year for this movie. Uh, that was right in the midst of some, like, real big Tom Hanksy stuff. Like, this mm-hmm. is like the Philadelphia, Apollo 13, Forrest Gump, like, right around these, like, that 92, 93, 94 like years were huge for this man. Yeah. And so uh, here he does a nice little rom-com. Yeah. How cute. Yeah. Well, tell us uh, the rest of the world, because the whole entire world's listening, <laughs> to what was happening in 1993. All right. Well, the movie came out on June 25th, 1993. Appropriately, the Billboard Top 100 single for that week is a song called That's the Way Love Goes by Janet Jackson. Oh, yeah. That's a good song. I absolutely like it. Yeah, it fits very perfect with our Valentine theme. Yeah. Uh, Topping the Nielsen ratings, uh, kind of no surprise, was Home Improvement. Very big show in the 90s. Yeah, very true. Uh, The New York Times bestseller is a book that, for some reason, I had in my head was like an old book, but it only came out in 93, which was The Bridges of Madison County by Robert James Waller. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I remember that was a huge book and a solid movie, but... Oh, yeah, I thought it was old. I thought it was like an '80s or '70s book. Oh yeah, I did too. I didn't huh. realize it was that uh, that yeah. old, or that young. I guess. Yeah. Uh, video game players uh, had just been uh, wrapping up playing Mortal Kombat Two. Oh yes, we had that. I had that for my Sega Game Gear. Yeah. Um, and that's I had I had that in Sonic. Yeah, I played the crap out of. I like what was it Kintaro, who was like the next Goro. He was like a cat-like Goro. Uh huh. It was, uh, and you got Shao Kahn instead of. Shang Tsung at the end. Yeah. Um, it was That's when you one. got like Baraka and. Yeah, exactly. Was it. Did you get Kung Lao? Uh, two, yeah, or was that later? Yeah, Kung, no, Kung Lao was in two. Okay. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And my last little bit about 1993 a young man by the name of Mr. Chevy Chase had his own late night talk show, which only lasted five weeks. Yeah, <laughs> I remember hearing about that. It's, 
I've, I've heard Chevy Chase is just so hard to work with. I am not the biggest Chevy Chase fan. I'm with you there too. Like I watched like some of his old like SNL stuff, and I'm just like, I, I, you're not. You're like one of my least favorite people yeah. on this thing. Yeah. And I'm not really a huge fan of most of his movies either. I'm not a big like National Lampoon's guy, like a lot of other people are. I know we've, we've yeah, I'm not at all. Yeah, exactly. I think we've I don't know if we've discussed that on here, but we've definitely talked about it outside from here. Like I think Vacation's okay, and I maybe saw Christmas Vacation once, and that was it. And I just yeah. It's, he doesn't do it for me. There's so many other better comedic guys out there. Like I'd much prefer a Bill Murray or a John Candy or a pretty much go go through the gamut. I like yeah. them better. Yeah. yeah. And that was 1993. All right. Well, uh, what I was going to ask you earlier is, um, you know, because this movie does tie in very much with Valentine's Day. The uh, the final scene um, is happens on Valentine's Day. It's a whole build up to that. What are y'all doing for Valentine's Day, John? What are you? Anything special for the uh, for the wifey? Mm, honestly we haven't really done anything big for valentine's day in a long time mostly we'll go out to dinner mm-hmm. but that's not really an option right now what will probably happen is i will cook her whatever she wants which will probably be steak steak she loves steak which is uh, you know what i can't yeah. argue with a woman who loves steak no ain't no problems with that uh i don't think we have anything planned either it's uh, it's on a sunday this year uh, and probably I'm going to sit on the couch and scratch myself for a couple hours and <laughs> say, hey, honey, you want to do anything? She's like, no, I hate going out. And I'm like, okay, cool. But Adam. <laughs> but <laughs> Luckily, my wife is nothing like Peg. Very little like it. We'll talk more about Peg uh, as we dive into Married with Children. But for now, let's talk Sleepless in Seattle. All right, as we mentioned, 1993, uh, this movie was directed by Nora Ephron. She did movies that we've probably, most of us have seen, things like Michael, uh, You've Got Mail, uh, Julie and Julia. Uh, She also wrote all of those that I mentioned, as well as Mm -hmm. directing them, and she also wrote When Harry Met Sally. Which is another one that's on AFI's top 10 romantic comedies of all time, so she's a pretty good company there. She knows what she's doing in this realm, absolutely. Uh, the music was done by Mark Shaman, who has done fantastic things. Um, I think we talked about him before when we talked Adam's Family, because he did that. He's done City Slickers, Misery, Sister Act, Ghosts of Mississippi, A Few Good Men, quite a bit of different good soundtracks yeah. um, or different composing. Uh, soundtrack is something that I'm definitely going to talk about in this movie. Like They they had great use of some, just like some good classic, not all Rat Pack-y kind of stuff, but just some romantic, good sounding um, soundtrack. Songs. Songs, yeah. <laughs> My God, <laughs> I can see the wheels turning in your head. Uh, like, what, do, what do I say? What do I say? <laughs> Just man, having some problems. All right, the cast. <laughs> Sam is played by Tom Hanks. We should know him. Apollo thirteen for Philadelphia Force Gump. I mentioned those earlier. Annie is played by Meg Ryan. We talked about her in Inner Space and mm-hmm. Top Gun. Plenty of other things as well. Uh, Walter was played by Bill Pullman. We talked about him with Newsies, and he's also been in Independence Day and plenty of other things. Yep. Uh, Susie, his uh, sister, who doesn't she doesn't pop up until late in the movie. Uh, Tom Hanks, I think that's Tom Hanks' sister, at least or yes. friend or whatever. It, it's a, it's his sister. 
Yeah, it's a sister. She shows up a couple times. Okay, I guess early on and then, then it comes back. Then later, I see yeah. her most of the later. Uh, Rita Wilson is played by Rita Wilson. I've seen her in Jingle All the Way, Now and Then, Runaway Bride. Uh, and then Becky is played by Rosie O'Donnell, and who is uh, Annie's friend. And we knew her from A League of Their Own. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rosie O'Donnell, she had the Rosie O'Donnell show for a long time. She's been on like other talk shows and other stuff like that. She's just a pretty big presence. All right, so let's get started. And we start off very grim uh, at a funeral. We find out that Sam's wife has died. Uh, basically, it's just him and Jonah left. Um, he's obviously struggling. He's got issues, and he decides he wants to move to another city. He picks Seattle. He's got to make a change because everything reminds him of his life with uh, Maggie, his, his former wife. And, you know, he just even says... It just doesn't happen twice. It doesn't happen twice. You know, it just love isn't going to happen like that again. Oh, John, I'm not so sure. I can, well, I know, but I can, I mean, I can see his point. Like, you know, you love yeah. someone you know, so hard and for so long and they're gone and you just can't see yourself with anyone else. I've loved many a people long and hard. Um, <laughs> <laughs> happy listen, Valentine's Day, everybody. Listen, you're the blow up doll in your, in your <laughs> closet doesn't count. Don't you dare talk about Rebecca that way. Oh, I don't know why I said that name. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, it's oh God. Anyway. Uh, that's a, yeah. Anyway, but then the title credits start uh, as we hear the song As Time Goes By by Jimmy Durante. No matter what the future brings, as time goes by. Moonlight and love songs Never out of date Hearts full of passion Jealousy and hate Woman needs man And man must have his mate That no one can deny So kind of one of those, just like I said, classic-y romance type of songs. So we get a card here, Baltimore, 18 months later, we meet Annie and Walter, and he's someone that she is dating and about to meet her family, and they got engaged, all this kind of stuff. Uh, We find a little bit about him, about, oh, he's got all these allergies. You know, she mentions he's got like a nut allergy, all these kind of allergies, and I'm thinking to myself, oh shit, is he going to die from an allergy? (laughs) Like, we just (laughs) saw this other person die. Is this guy die? I kind of forget. And that kind of leads me to... I haven't seen this movie in a long time. Yeah. It's probably been since, I don't know, maybe maybe like the late 90s when I last saw it, probably on TV or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, what, what about you? What is, I mean, what was your relationship to Sleepless in Seattle? Other than us tying it in for Valentine's Day, why did we pick Sleepless in Seattle? Well, I mean, I remembered it being a really big movie, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I think I put it on the list, I can't remember, but pretty sure i put it on there because i was like well there's a there's a romantic comedy it fits the valentine theme and i definitely remember watching it in the 90s but i probably also have not watched Mm -hmm. it since the 90s yeah i mean i'm very much i I enjoy it i know it's like a classic chick flick romance romance movie Mm -hmm. um but i guess none of none of the people i were dating i was dating and, and my wife is definitely not like a you know, she doesn't strike me as the romantic comedy type. No, we're very different with a lot of stuff. And I, <laughs> I'm like, you know, I'll mention some some notes later. But yeah, she is not a. Oh, hey, I want to snuggle up and watch a silly, cheesy romant romantic comedy together. No, she's like, I want to watch a murder documentary, and I'm like, <laughs> well, that's not romantic. <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, not to you. No, apparently. Uh. <laughs> Good. Uh, all right. So we also see just Walter. Um, he's just kind of nerdy. And, and, and I say this like later in my notes, but I'll bring it up now. He To me, he's like the definition of a drip. You know? <laughs> like he is just, man, what a drip, this guy. He's a wet blanket. A pill. A pill, yeah, I, exactly. I, I wouldn't. He's not as bad as a pill. Because the thing is, is he's a nice guy. He is. I don't. I don't root against him actually at all. Yeah. He just. He's just a drip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's about as best yeah. as can be put. Yeah. I, I mean, I probably might feel better if he just died and and Annie, you know, could move on that way. But I kind of feel bad for him a little by the end. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, and we'll we'll get all right. We'll get there. Um, I just wanted to throw out that one of the brothers um, of Annie is played by David Hyde Pierce. Uh, you'd yep. know him as the the brother in Frasier. All right, and, uh, Annie kind of talks to her mom. They're up in like an attic area. She's trying on oh like an old dress, an old wedding dress, because obviously they talked about being engaged um, and talk about destiny and that kind of thing and fate and and falling in love. And the mother brings up that feeling of magic. You know, mm-hmm. like you just. You just know it. And she had that with with her husband. You can just kind of see on Annie's face that she doesn't have that. Like yeah. She doesn't know what she's talking about, that feeling of magic. She also doesn't believe in fate and destiny. At least she doesn't right now. She doesn't right now. Exactly. Uh, Annie and Walter drive back separately to Baltimore, which I thought was kind of weird. I thought they came in like one car and then they're driving back separately. I don't know. It doesn't uh, matter. Yeah. It, it really doesn't matter. It's not. I don't know why I paid so much attention to that. <laughs> uh, but so she's driving back separately and she's listening to the radio and she flips to a call-in show and we hear this kid's voice it's jonah who we had seen earlier he has a christmas wish because right now it's christmas and the christmas wish is that his dad get a new wife oh cute little conversation uh with this kind of random call-in talk show a little kind of i don't know a little bit like a a pushy uh (laughs) call-in talk show lady doctor uh what, what are those people like an advice yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, not like, kind of like a Dr. Drew, but there was like a female one, like a Dear Abby, whatever, person just looking for Dr. Some... Oh, God. What was that? I know. There was, was a specific... Dr. Laura. Was that, that the one that, that, was it. that mom used to listen to? There was a, that was it. Mom listened to Dr. Laura. That was it. I could not get, I couldn't think of her name. God, I hated listening to her. Oh, my God. She, Dr. Laura Schlesinger. Yep. Schles, Schles, well, Schlesinger. She listened to her all the damn time. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. God. I hated being in the car when mom was listening to Oh, them. yeah. It was yeah. She was definitely a man. Because as a what teenage what? boy, I knew all, and all of the stuff this woman <laughs> was spouting was just bullshit. It was propaganda bullshit. <laughs> yeah. I agree. Uh, but Jonah has this cute conversation uh, with the talk show lady. I can't even remember her name. And Jonah gets the dad on the phone, and begrudgingly he kind of continues that conversation. And you get a little kind of cutting between Sam on the phone and Annie's reactions to the car at first thing, like, oh, this is BS. And then getting a little bit more enamored into the conversation uh, and just kind of, you know, getting slightly infatuated with this whole situation and even Sam. But eventually Sam does open up and kind of has a really good conversation. You know, you kind of hear the way he talks about uh, his his wife who passed and you just see, hear in his voice that kind of magic. He had that, too. And we can really see on Annie's face that she doesn't have that. Annie's, even Annie stops at a diner and they're listening to the show. It just kind of shows that it's very captivating right now. Um, so she kind of keeps continuing and and uh, the story kind of really hits her. She kind of ends up crying at some point. And then we get beautiful song, Over the Rainbow, by Ray Charles. I know somewhere over the rainbow. 
kind of transitions us uh, into where Annie works. She works at a newspaper. And did you pick up on something? I, I immediately heard this line when they were at this newspaper, the first thing I heard, and you may not have paid attention. Um, not that I, not off the top of my head. Okay. So, I mean, literally, it was like an, it was an off-screen line where, like, they were kind of bringing the camera into this meeting room, and someone is saying, because they're talking about what different stories to run on the paper or what mm-hmm. to, like, what to report. Uh, he was like, this man sells the greatest soup you've ever eaten, and he is the meanest man in America. This man, he sells the greatest soup you've ever you've ever eaten, but he's the meanest guy in America. And I'm just like, oh, it's the soup Nazi. They're talking about the soup Nazi. And so, which, of course, the soup Nazi was actually inspired by a real person. His name was Al Yagena. Uh, I'm sure I screwed up that pronunciation. Uh, but he was an Iranian uh, soup vendor who ran uh, the Soup Kitchen International in New York City. And I think that's the story that they're talking about. But, of course, for plebs like me i associate that character or that person to the soup nazi in seinfeld yeah and guess what i'm gonna say next john go ahead and say it <laughs> oh, i thought you would how about you do it for me because i do it all the time you do it all the time well not on this yeah. podcast come on no so for you no i <laughs> no i don't do that all the time i was just gonna plug cartwright of seinfeld oh. podcast but yeah thank you hey that's, i'm gonna use that clip <laughs> I'm gonna get I'm gonna get you saying that and bring that onto uh, Cartwright. Damn. But if anybody wants to listen to me talk Seinfeld, go check out Cartwright's Seinfeld podcast that I do an episode by episode breakdown with our buddy Corey. Okay, there's my plug. I, I heard I heard this like them talk about the mean soup guy, and I'm like, oh god, yes, soup Nazi. Anyway, <laughs> any way you can tie into Seinfeld, you will do it. It was a one throw off line, and yet I've spent like five minutes here talking about it, so I apologize. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we meet some coworkers, Becky, who is Rosie O'Donnell's. Um, you know, they're talking about the the Colin show and all that kind of stuff, and they wanted to do, want to do a story on it. All right. You know, Annie's definitely interested in that, and Becky and Annie. Becky and Annie talk later a little bit more about it. We also just kind of get further vibes. They're they're constant a lot of setup about Walter and his dripness. Is <laughs> just other. Yeah, he's not. He's not. Getting this, he's not making the magic happen, I will say. All right, we see Sam on New Year's Eve, and he puts, uh, you know, Jonah to bed. And what? <laughs> I'm sorry, I put in my notes, he puts Jonah to sleep. And I'm like, holy <laughs> shit, like a dog. <laughs> I don't know why I wrote that, and I had to fix it in my head. But uh, yeah, so he puts Jonah to bed, and watching fireworks, and he's just kind of sad. And he has like this, you know, vision of his dead wife, and it's all kind of just showing how alone he is. and uh, then we get a, another great song here, Stardust by Nat King Cole. Sometimes I wonder why I spend the lonely night dreaming of a song. The melody haunts my reverie. So and that transitions transitions us to Sam uh, at his work. He's an architect where he's at a building site, and we see his friend. One of them is played by Rob Reiner, who I didn't even care to look up what his character's name on because I just see him and I'm like, "Hey, Rob Reiner." Uh, so, but he's he was there with them, and everybody now knows about this whole call that his son did, um, and we just kind of see uh, at home Sam. He's now received a whole bunch of fan mail from different women. And I remember the first time I got that much fan mail from women, and it was a, it was kind of a scary feeling, you know. And then you woke up. <laughs> <laughs> you you shut your mouth, John. <laughs> All right. 
Yeah, but uh, so they start talking about the whole dating scene, all that kind of stuff. I, I like the conversation because it's just Jonah and Sam. You get the vibe that Sam talks to Jonah a little bit more like he's an adult than he probably should. And so Jonah feels very comfortable talking about like, I guess you're going to have sex with this person, the next person you date, huh? <laughs> and like, and all this kind of like stuff that's like, okay, huh? And he's only supposed to be like probably eight or something like eight. that. Yeah. yeah, he says eight. So that seems a bit heavy, a bit, a bit, a bit early. Yeah. Especially if my so. daughter's eight and I'm like, there's no, way. my daughter doesn't say crap like that. Yeah. She doesn't say stuff like that, but, eh, but it's funny. I mean, that's what makes it funny for a movie when kids, you know, don't act like kids or don't right. talk like kids. So, um, we then see Annie and just her awful routine with Walter. Like you see him in bed and like, he's got his humidifier going. He's got his whole little setup where he's got to wipe his nose and all this other stuff. And it just makes you feel really kind of, I guess, feel sad for her that she's exactly no, uh, no magic's happening. Yeah. I mean, the only thing he was missing was like a CPAP machine exactly. or something. <laughs> he had literally a whole nightstand chock full of drugs and the uh, humidifier was going on full blast yeah. beside him. So, yeah, he's uh, an unfortunate, you know, natural selection. It's a strange thing, John. We've, we're too smart for natural selection because he probably wouldn't have made it right. with all, all of his allergies. Just, uh, not saying I want allergy people. Never mind. I'm just going to stop that. Move on. <laughs> anyway, uh, another good song. Carly Simon, her uh, In the Wee Hours of the Morning plays as Annie wakes up. In the wee small hours of the morning While the whole wide world is fast asleep You lie And she, you know, in the middle of the night and puts on the radio. Um, it's the, the same call-in show that she was listening to earlier. And they play a clip from Sleepless in Seattle. Reno remind, just reminds her what she wishes she had with Walter. And, you know, I think she's just really right here is realizing you really good. I think really good acting in um, Meg Ryan's face where she doesn't have to say a word, but you're kind of hearing the Sleepless in Seattle replay and seeing on her face that she knows it's the end of, of, of her and Walter, I think right there, even though they're together until like pretty much like the last before the last scene, I think here is where she just really, really realizes it's not what she wants. And I think that's where we're going to get the turn of a switch to she's more invested in this random guy on the radio. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Annie goes to see her brother and, you know, he's, it's just the David Hyde Pierce. He's very flat about a lot of things. It just, I don't know. I like him. He doesn't, uh, he doesn't seem to have that magic spark either as we see. <laughs> uh, but Annie tells him that she's just, she's very infatuated by this guy. So again, she's really making that turn. Sam talks to Rob Reiner about the whole dating world. I like the little conversation they have, you know, it's a, it's definitely Newer times, John, the women women are looking for pecs and a cute butt. That's what I'm trying to tell you, what women are looking for. Pecs and a cute butt. And that's, that's what they want. And I, I do find it, I found that line funny because he's calling them like chicks this whole time. Mm-hmm. And Rob, this is Rob Reiner's character. He's like, yeah, chicks, man. All they want to talk about is like pecs and a cute butt. And I'm like, at the same time, you're just calling them chicks and like you care about boobs and butt. And that's about <laughs> it, I'm sure. Uh, but it's just kind of funny. I mean, I guess more even uh, how things are nowadays from probably back when people were dating before. And Reiner tells Sam to ask about a woman 
from their house job that they're working on, an interior decorator lady. And so he's like, eh, he thinks about it, but, you know, he doesn't, not planning on it. But back at home, Sam finds Jonah hanging out with uh, a little girl, Jessica. We don't really know how they became friends or whatnot. They're just hanging in there yeah. uh, in his room. I do like, he's got like this big, I don't know, like, like a half egg chair. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I've seen those, you've seen them all over and I don't even know what the heck they're called, but you uh, just see them. Half egg chair, I don't know. <laughs> half egg chair, yeah. But they're like, they just scoot their little legs and like do this whole turn on it and they're sitting right next to each other, you know, hanging out or whatever. And she's, Jessica's played by Gabby Hoffman, who yep. we talked about in Uncle Buck not yep. that long ago. So, and she's she's great little kid actress. Also in Field of uh, Dreams. Also, yep, also Field of Dreams. But yeah, we, uh, I think Sam seeing his son with a girl is, you know, kind of making him, okay, fine. You know what? He's getting him getting him over that little hump to go call the, the woman from work. As he does, uh, kind of very fittingly, Gene Autry's Back in the Saddle plays. I'm back in the saddle again. Out where a friend is a friend Where the longhorn cattle feed on the lowly Jimson wheat Back in the saddle again uh, We see Annie and Becky hanging out some more. Just kind of going over still more of this infatuation. A good little line here from Becky where she's like, That's your problem. You don't want to be in love. You want to be in love in a movie. You don't want to be in love. You want to be in love in a movie. Like, you you want this fantasy. Mm-hmm. Now, here's a little small diatribe. I do think movies like this, movies like An Affair to Remember, which is what they have on TV right now, and a, a slew of other romantic films has kind of ruined real romance for some people. Like, there is this mentality that it's it, it, everything's going to be an over-the-top just romantic gesture and have an over thing. And some of those things do happen, but like, and Disney, oh yeah, Disney's terrible about this, yeah. all of this stuff, you know, um, where I think, and it is marketed mostly to women more than anything else and to girls, but it's just like, it's, it's an absolutely unfair expectation. Like, expe- thank you. Expectation. Just like I couldn't think of the word song. I couldn't think of the word <laughs> expectation, but it's, it's an unfair expectation for what real life romance and true love is too. Cause you know, you can tell you that's I've been I'm, I'm I am truly in love, and life is not really like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So anyway, I just I thought that was a pretty legit quote when uh, when I heard it. But they're actually working on a letter to Sleepless in Seattle. It's just kind of funny because he had already received such a bunch of letters. It's like okay, that doesn't seem like a smart thing to do. And then they set up this whole kind of scenario with this big romantic grand gesture of oh, we need to meet on the top of the Empire State Building. You know, just like they're watching this movie, An Affair to Remember, which has happened in that movie. Mm-hmm. And this is pretty, this movie, like, Slips in Seattle is basically like an homage to that film. Yeah. They, they take us a lot of different elements about it and ta- they reference it a whole bunch. So, Annie kind of comes to her senses and kind of eh, throws the letter away, throws it over, you know, kind of near Becky and is just like, screw this, I'm not gonna, not gonna do it. And then they, we see them bawling as they're watching the movie together and just like how men don't understand it. Men never get this movie. I know. And that's kind of true. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, Jonah in his sleep has a nightmare, calls for his mom, uh, and they kind of talk about, you know, what happens after death. 
and talk about his mom and all that kind of stuff. You know, it gets kind of heavy and just talk about her. And then we get the song. I think they even mentioned what was her favorite song in this conversation. And they mentioned it was Bye Bye Blackbird by uh, Joe Cocker. And so that song plays. Sugar sweet, so she bye. I gotta say, so they play kind of a lot of like romantic, almost sappy songs. Yes. But they're all good songs. They are. Every single one of them is good. Yeah. I mean, it is a very strong soundtrack. And a lot of songs, too. Like, I noticed earlier on, I was like, man, they they drop, they needle drop a lot of stuff into this. They do. And they're using them heavily for like transitions from a scene to a scene or Mm -hmm. just kind of getting through some final stuff. But it is, it adds the sap and the romance kind of to it. But it is, it's way more use of these songs than I remember. Yeah. Uh, we see Annie and Sam just kind of cutting back and forth between them. They're both feeling very, very alone right now, um, but from across the country. Annie is working on uh, a story about the sleep in Seattle guy, uh, and she kind of does some real intense research. She gets his name. <laughs> she gets his number. Uh, she does her, you know, um, obvious checking him out, and then she hires a detective agency to get a photograph and learn more about him. So. Here I'm kind of like this is this is crossed a line. <laughs> well, I I would say this. Um, it's eh, the, the hiring of the detective is a little suspect per se. Mm-hmm. But when she searches for him, that dates the movie because you can see the technology of the computer. Yeah. Nowadays, yeah. all one would have to do is go look at someone's uh, social media profile, which you know mm-hmm. is unless you keep it on private, is going to be public. And even then, you know, s- pictures will get out. It's it's it's. Entire, it's very, very easy to find out what anyone looks like anymore. Yeah. And to find anybody's uh, phone number or address. Like, there's enough sites out there that have that stuff, and yeah. um, it's pretty darn easy to find it. Well, plus, you can search any sort of quote-unquote yellow pages now. Yeah. You know, if anyone has any kind of phone number registered. Yep. So, uh, all right. So, Sam, uh, or at Sam's, they uh, get another letter. And this one's apparently from Annie. And I'm like, wait a minute. We saw her throw that away. What's going on here? Sam obviously kind of throws it aside, but it's really captivating Jonah uh, right now. It's a good letter, but it's like, you know, she lives in Baltimore. So that's not not going to happen. And Sam's now is he's going on a date with that woman from work, Victoria, uh, that Rob Reiner mentioned earlier. So Jonah decides that he wants to go to New York for Valentine's Day to meet this person, meet the Empire State Building person, the Annie, because she wrote such a good letter. And also we see kind of during the date, things are going okay. He seems to be Tom, that's Tom Hanks. <laughs> Sam is having a good, <laughs> Sam's having a good time uh, with this Victoria person and uh, the detective agency person is taking pictures. So then we kind of cut to a little bit in the future, just a little bit in the future, maybe the next week or couple next days or whatever but there the woman victoria comes over to make dinner at their place and jonah is not impressed by her he is very just cold he is a little asshole to this woman isn't he yeah it's a bit much he needs to kind of get like popped on the back of the head I, and just be like hey there, it up. i just say there would be a point when i would have to like lay the law down and be like this is not your decision or yeah you've got to just chill 
Yeah, he's, he was being particularly just sarcastic to everything that she said or any kind of thing, that the way he would, would talk to her at all. Uh, but Jonah decides that he wants to call the talk show again. And uh, at that point, Becky calls Annie in the middle of the night and wakes her up. And so she starts listening, uh, you know, where Jonah's talking about, oh, my God, they're kissing. And Annie uh, kind of grabbed the radio and the telephone to talk to Becky and hides in like this little broom closet and Jonah to stop the date yells because uh, he quote unquote says oh I think I saw a black widow spider uh, but he's obviously just trying to get them to stop kissing and Andy is found out at the same time by Walter who <laughs> pops in kind of funny little joke though he says Miss Scarlet in the broom closet with the radio Annie in the broom closet you know with the radio just a nice <laughs> little clue joke I don't know like you're right I don't dislike Walter yeah He's not a bad person. He is nice. He is super nice to Annie. He obviously cares for her. And he's, you know, he just makes his little cheesy jokes. He's nerdy. He has yeah. a drip, as I said, but he's just, you know, he's just boring, I guess. Yeah. Annie kind of has to talk her way out of what the hell she was doing in there. Um, so she now, I guess for her job, <laughs> quote unquote, <laughs> uh, to get this story, she flies to Seattle to try and like, you know, scope this guy out some more. But doesn't she, am I wrong, or am I remembering this wrong? Doesn't she tell Walter that she's flying to Chicago? She does say that. She says she's flying to Chicago. But she's actually flying to Seattle? Yes. Why not just say Seattle? I don't, right. I don't, I don't know her. She It's exactly what it is, though. Okay. So, Sam and Jonah happen to be there seeing Victoria off for a flight. Again, Jonah being a little shit. But Annie ends up, Victoria leaves or whatever. Annie walks right by, and immediately Sam sees her and is a bit enamored. And he's just like, wow, she's she is a cutie patootie. He didn't say it, but no. you can see it in his eyes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, he's instantly attracted to her. Uh, but obviously, they don't really know who each other is at this point. Annie's trying to find them. She uh, heads to their place. She's got their address. But they're going out on a little boat trip together. So we hear another romantic song plays A Wink and a Smile by Harry Connick Jr. I remember the days of just keeping time Of hanging around in sleepy towns forever Back roads empty for miles Well, you can't have a dream and cut it to fit but when I saw you, I knew we'd go together like a wink and a smile. As she follows them in her car, again, kind of creepy. At the same point, she could have just kind of waited at their house. They're going to come back. It's a boat. But anyway, she follows them as she just enjoys seeing Sam, what, you know, him being a dad and that kind of stuff. Uh, she calls Becky from the hotel and it's just like, man, this is crazy. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, it is kind of crazy. <laughs> this is a bit much, you know? So she decides she does go back the next day. She's going to talk to him. Uh, and she finds him at this marina or something. And his sister comes up. And, of course, Annie doesn't know that's the sister. She thinks it's someone that he was dating. And everything seems nice and happy. Uh, the first thing that was kind of strange was you see Jonah run up to the woman and hug her. And it's like, what? Who is this? And then we cut to this. I'm like, oh, okay, it's not Victoria. It's... uh. It's his sister. It's so. Tom Hanks's actual wife. Oh, is, really? Rita Wilson? Yeah, you didn't know that? Wife? No, I had no idea. Yeah, that's his real life wife. Oh. How did you not know that he was married to Rita Wilson? Oh, I just did not know. Wow. I'm sorry. Tom Hanks is uh, what he does in his free time with his whatever uh, isn't what I care about. I just assumed that was common knowledge. 
It, I'm sure it is, but I had no idea. <laughs> okay. Were they married back at that time, do you I think? I don't know. I can look that up while you're talking. Yeah, it's like we've got a way. We've got that te- we've got better technology than uh, the computers we saw in this movie that we can probably find it out very fast. <laughs> 1988, so yes, they were married by this wow. point. Okay. That's pretty cool. Uh, all right, so then there's some awkwardness that happens here between Annie and Sam. Like, she's just kind of like looking at him and kind of walking towards him. She's parked on the street. All these cars just kind of passing by. Eventually, there's some honking, and uh, it's just creepy. And Tom Hanks, who recognizes, sorry, Sam, recognizes her from the airport and just kind of walks up, and he's like, Hello. Hello. And freaked out by a taxi cab that honks until she apparently bolted. And that's all she could really get out. Annie then realizes uh, she gets... So she's flown back now to Baltimore. And she realizes she got a letter from Seattle. Becky's there with her. We find out it was Becky who mailed the letter. Mm. And Annie, you know, didn't do it. So it's like, okay. Uh, and the letter is very... That they get that she got from Seattle was very um, basic. And so we know it was... I, I know that it was Jonah... <laughs> who sent it, but they don't. And so they kind of make fun of him for not being able to write well. I thought that was just kind of cute. You know, a joke that the audience is in on, but they're not. Sam talks to uh, his, you know, his sister and her sister's husband about Victoria and all that kind of stuff. I've been tells them about the show and all the stuff that they didn't know about that Jonah did. Um, And also there's this one letter from a woman that Jonah really wants him to look into, which is Annie, which we know again is the person that he said hello to that he's infatuated with, but he doesn't know that. And so it's all kind of just like, damn it. Will they, won't they, you know, I just, I know they like each other. Just, <laughs> just freaking kiss man. Um, anyway, Susie says it's, Oh, it's just like an affair to remember kind of gushes over that movie some more. And then I really like Sam and his brother-in-law, Doing like a whole little fake gushing over the Dirty Dozen as a, you know, totally different vibes, you know, chick flicks versus guy movies. Mm -hmm. Just a cute scene, I thought. Uh, We cut to Gabby Hoffman. uh, I think Jessica was her name. um, Watching An Affair to Remember. And even she is like, this is the greatest movie I've ever seen. Again, tying in that trope about, you know chick flicks and she wants to decides to use her mom's computer to book Jonah a flight to New York. I don't. I guess they didn't establish if he stole her mom's credit card. Or I was anything like just that. about to say I don't know how she paid for it. Uh, yeah, they didn't. They didn't talk about that at all. But because they mentioned cash earlier, they're like, well, that can uh, probably just pay for the taxis, right? Although, although her mom is a travel agent, right? I really didn't pick up on that. Okay, well, maybe possible. maybe it's in a maybe it's. I mean, I never really dealt with travel agents all that much, but it might be something where maybe she has like some sort of line of credit. Yeah, with the possible. with the thing, and so she was able to just kind of. Get one that'll just be paid later. I don't, I'm trying to make yeah. this work in my head. I know. I was say, like, we've got to, you know, figure out all the technical details. Don't just let the magic happen. <laughs> yes, that's how. That's what we do here on Blastmore Passes. We tear your movies. I'm up. turning into you, Adam. I know. Isn't that great? Isn't a fun feeling. So, uh, we're getting close to Valentine's Day, and right now, Annie's kind of like, okay, you know what? She's decided she's over the sleepless in Seattle guy. You know, she's, she's feeling okay about Walter right now. And we hear Stand By Your Man by Tammy Wynette plays. So they really did pick songs that <laughs> are really fitting in really well with uh, at least what's happening in each scene. <laughs> They're doing like basically going through doing a registry 
uh, for their wedding, and they're doing their registry at Tiffany and Company. I'm like, damn, those people got some money. Yeah. <laughs> Guess my registry at Walmart wasn't good enough, but <laughs> I think we did two places: Walmart and Waffle House. <laughs> I think we did. Uh, we did like J.C. Penny or something. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I think we did Bed Bath and Beyond, right. but. Walmart and Waffle House was funnier, so I said that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, he gives her his old grandmother's ring, uh, and she's really just trying to convince herself that you know this is the relationship she wants. But we know, John, we know it's not what she wants. No. So let's find out what happens. <laughs> Jonah's upset that Sam is still seeing Victoria, um, and you know he wants her to be with Annie, and they have a fight. I kind of like their scene. They have a good little. I mean, again, it's another one of those where. Sam treats his son a little bit more like an adult and allows him to talk to him in a probably a way that, you know, most parents wouldn't. Mm -hmm. But it works for a film, I'd say, particularly like this. Yeah. So in the morning, Jonah's gone. Nowhere to be found. They talk to Jessica. She tells them that they're on that he's on his way to New York. And, uh, you know, he wants to go meet Annie at the Empire State Building. And we see him off as he's, you know, off jet setting over to New York. He heads to the Empire State Building. You know, that's where he's going. Um, he starts asking a bunch of people, are you Annie? No, none of them are Annie. Oh, God. It's going to fall apart, John. See, here's where I'm going to turn into you, Adam, and say mm-hmm. that this never would have gotten this far because even at this time, all they would have had to do would be to call the airline, tell them that this passenger was on it and that he wasn't supposed to be there. Yes. And it, that he was a kid and he wasn't this old. And then they would have just held him there at the airport until yeah. Sam was able to make his way. You're there. right. That's all they had. All they had to do was call the airline and be like, hey, my son is currently in flight yeah. to New York. Stop him. He is eight. He cannot beat you up. I promise. Just hold him down and I will fly over there and get him. You're right. That's all he had to do. <laughs> Damn. I didn't thing is I didn't even think of that. And that is that is absolutely true. <laughs> so but that's makes for a terrible film. Yeah, John. you're right. It does. <laughs> all right. Uh at dinner with Walter, Annie, you know, they have a nice, beautiful view of the Empire State Building, and that kind of makes her think about everything. We know we also see, obviously, John, uh, Sam is rushing over to go get Jonah. Uh, it's night, and Jonah hasn't found Annie yet, and she's and he's lost hope. But back at the dinner, Annie has realized, you know, just kind of all being brought back up by looking at the Empire State Building. She tells Walter about the whole situation, um, about what she did and all that kind of stuff. And I will say, Walter takes it <laughs> really well. Yeah. Like, he, he says, like, hey, I don't want anybody to settle for me. Um, so he kind of, they very amicably split. And it just, to me, that would have pissed me off knowing that the person I loved and wanted to marry was off ditching me, flying to Seattle to try and find her quote unquote true love while I trusted her and all that kind of stuff. And he's just like, I guess that's that. And it's yeah, just like, that, damn. That tells me only one thing. Hmm. Walter had his own side piece going on. Oh, that's it. Yeah. He was getting that drip drop everywhere else. (laughs) That's what he was doing, man. I don't know, but it was very kind of strange to me how easily and quickly they just kind of, eh, let's let's go our separate ways. So Annie goes to the Empire State Building. Again, they just kind of really, man, they squeeze in that will they, won't they to the very last second um, because, you know, Sam gets there. He finds Jonah. We have music swelling. Annie's running towards the building. Um, but it's too late, so she can't get up to the top, but then she convinces the security guard, because guess what? The security guard knows an affair to remember. It's his wife's favorite movie, and so he lets her up, even though he's not supposed to, which is probably, again, bullshit. This is all highly coincidental. Yes. Well, 
or is it destiny? No, I'm going to go with coincidental. Aha! <laughs> well, so Sam and Jonah go down the elevator, but Annie's come up and it's afterwards and no one's there. <sighs> so she walks around for a second. She finds Jonah's bag uh, that he accidentally left there just a- conveniently yeah. or or destiny. <laughs> Sam and Jonah come back up to get his bag and there it is. They see each other. It's magic. It's the romance that we have been waiting for. It's the destiny, John. Uh, even even Annie had been talking earlier, you know, when she has been talking to mm-hmm. Becky about like, maybe he's my destiny. So she's a believer. He even like, you know, holds out his hand. Sam holds out his hand and touches her hand. And that's that's when he knows because it was a moment just like he had mentioned earlier about his wife. I did like that they tied that around. Yes, I agree. And I did notice that because I, 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 I probably never would have caught that when I was younger when I saw that. But this time I paid attention to his story about... Yeah. You know, the first time he met his wife and then when then when it happened again at the end and it kind of happens very quickly, you know, I mean, they they do focus on it just for a second. But I was like, oh, I like that tie around. I like that they did that. You're right. They did. They did it in the right way where it was mentioned up earlier. And here they give you a you're right. They focus on it a little bit, but it's not too much like it's not heavy handed. Yeah. It's just enough to be like, oh, I remember him mentioning that. Oh, this is the moment where. Oh, yeah. 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 He's good. He knows. He knows. Uh, and we get Make Someone Happy by Jimmy Durante playing. Love is the answer. Someone to love is the answer. Once you found her, build your world around her. Make someone happy. Make just one someone happy and you will be happy too a great song another great Mm -hmm. old romantic song very sappy they get into the elevator the elevator door closes and we get this awful (laughs) cgi spinning uh empire state building this does not hold up no it doesn't it looked really bad, and I think they probably just should have. That, that little graphic that they have there of, like, you know, oh, they pull out from the Empire State Building. Oh, it's the U.S., and then here's some kind of, like, stars shooting up into the sky. It was unnecessary. It looked, it looked bad. It wasn't it was completely unnecessary. Ha, start Go to the Empire, the State Building. The doors close. Fade to black. Yeah. Done. I, I don't need that other part. Yeah, I agree. So, but, you know, when we actually get to our final credits, um, the song When I Fall in Love by Celine Dion and Clive Griffin plays... When I fall in love, it will be forever, or I'll never fall in love. Oh, I'll never, never fall in love. And that is the end of our film. Cute film, yep. kind of flew through it, but I mean, it's it's uh, it's cheese, you know. That's it. Let's uh, let's start with you, John. Right. Love to hear your thoughts. So, I, it's never been a movie I've gone back. I'm not, you know, and, and that's not to say I don't like romantic comedies. Some romantic, like I love the movie Love Actually, and I would cla- I would totally mm-hmm. classify that as a romantic comedy, and I could watch that movie any time of the year. I think it's a yep. great film. Uh, Sleepless in Seattle. I think it is a very well done film. It ties everything together that it needs to, but it just it never really 
touched me in the way it was supposed to. Now, granted, I was you didn't get that. You didn't get that Sam Annie touch at the end. No, and I'm not. And it, it, a lot of it, I'm sure, has to do with the fact that I was very young when the movie came out and when I first saw it. And it's not been one that I, you know, have ever really wanted to go back and rewatch. Now that to say, I was kind of surprised when I told my wife that I wanted to watch it. She was excited to watch it. Okay. I didn't realize that she loved this movie, and she did. And so we watched this together. And that 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 experience of watching that with my wife was very nice. I watched it with my wife as well, but she was behind me making snarky comments the entire time. <laughs> it was not it was not a romantic, snuggly, let's, you know, love up on each other and watch this for Valentine's Day. No, I thought the movie was trash, but not that kind of trash. Okay. It's chick flick trash. It's it's cute trash, you know? Very cute trash. It's cute, cheesy, trashy, but not in a, it was a again, not in a is a is not a trash film. It's just like the movie knows what it is. It's yeah, sap. Fair. It's romantic comedy, and and it's it's the kind of romantic chick flick trash you want to put on when you want to be snuggled up and just watch a silly cheesy movie together and kind of believe in destiny and true love and that kind of stuff. And so it really hurt me for watching this movie, just having those damn snarky comments from my wife the entire time. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, no, no. That was fine. That's that's her. That's what she does. I will say it really, for me, it actually kind of hurt breaking it down for the podcast. Mm -hmm. You know, I couldn't just get a big blanket and snuggle up and watch it. And my wife's not really that kind of person anyway. She's not a romantic comedy. She's very much a, I'm reading, don't touch me. Yes, that's absolutely. Leave me alone. I need my space. And we have our own little wonderful magic that happens on our own way that we don't need (laughs) <laughs> the snuggly things, but sometimes I do like that stuff. Um, so sometimes I force her into it and it works out. Uh, but because I didn't watch it like that this way, I, I didn't have as good of a time, but my respect for the film is there. As you put it, it is very well put together. Um, I really appreciate it. And I can see the uh, massive appeal and, and why it was so big and why it is one of the better romance, uh, romantic comedies and romantic, chick flicks out there whatever mm-hmm. why it's the best one of the best romantic movies you don't have to be a chick to like this movie yeah i definitely would enjoy it if i was in one of those situations where i was dating someone who did like these kind of things and wanted to do that uh but yeah just i didn't just because i didn't have the best time watching it for this doesn't mean i don't think it's it's a worthy film it's absolutely a worthy film uh, i just didn't have the best situation to set it up for success yeah but over than that it's still solid All right, now let's go from new young love to old bitter love <laughs> slash hatred on uh, Married with Children. So this show aired from 1987 to 1997. Uh, there was a single episode that they put on later in like 2002 that was kind of like a lost episode, if you will. Mm-hmm. Its main run was for 11 seasons, 259 episodes. I mean, that's a that's, hell of a successful yeah. show right there. That's a good run. Yep. It is uh, still the longest lasting live action sitcom for Fox. Okay. So, I mean, when you think of Fox, though, things like... Simpsons, uh, Family Guy, and even like American Dad. I think almost Bob's Burgers is kind of closing in on like this many seasons and and Mm -hmm. past that. Um, But they're all animated. Right. And it was also the first primetime show for Fox. Oh. So 1987 was when Fox really got or when it kind of expanded to primetime broadcast television. And 
their primetime slot was used up by Married with Children and the Tracy Ullman show. Ah. Tracy Ullman show did not last, obviously, but something incredibly important for Fox came from it, as we know the Simpsons yep. uh, spun from that one. Uh, but yeah, so Fox used Married with Children as like its its opening primetime show. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Uh, it was created by Ron uh, Leavitt and Michael Moy. Uh, together, they were both writers on The Jeffersons. They created Silver Spoons. Oh. Ron Leavitt also created uh, Unhappily Ever After, which is very similar uh, oh. with all that stuff, except for add in a talking bunny. <laughs> the one with Nikki Cox and the talking bunny. Oh, yeah. And yeah. then uh, Michael Moy uh, was also the creator of 227. Okay. Uh, let's talk about the cast for Married with Children. Al is played by Al Bundy. This is the Bundy family. Al is played by Ed O'Neill. Most people would know him nowadays from Modern Family. Yeah. He's been on that for quite a bit. He's had a hell of a TV run. Hey, no kidding. This and then Modern Family blew up. Yeah. And that one's probably closing in on these 200-something episodes as well. I'm checking right now. 250 episodes for Modern Family. Is it still going? I I remember when it first came out. Like It was a very kind of innovative show at the time, like pretty kind of bringing in that Modern Family stuff, but like... To think that they're just still go. Oh no no, Cl- closed up in in 2020. It looks like. Oh okay. But hell, that's a great run. I mean, yeah. one show with 259 episodes, one with 250 episodes. And them residual checks might be coming in. Yeah. From the- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> from. Uh, we, we- so, oh god, what's the word I'm looking for? See, now I'm forgetting the words. Uh, syndication. Sag. Syndication. Yeah, yeah. 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 But he also we also talked to Ed O'Neill when we talked to Little Giants. Yeah. Um, a while ago, Al Bundy is a. Woman's shoe salesman. Uh, he's just kind of like this curmudgeon-y dad kind of guy. Um, and he was also a great high school football player. And he kind of just relives that. <laughs> we'll bring that up again. Peg, his wife, is played by Katie Seagal, who we know her very much from Futurama. She plays Leela yeah. in Futurama. And my, uh, I, watched, I was watching an episode uh, one day um, when my wife and kids got home from something that they, that they had. It was like uh, you know, one of the kids' activities, mm-hmm. and the kids came in and they were listening, and my son heard it and he goes, "Is that the voice of the girl from Futurama?" And I was like, "I've never yes. been more prouder in my life." Yes, good job. <laughs> He's really picking up that. That's fantastic. He's been really getting into voice actors, like kind of like recognizing them and stuff, which I, I'm really cool with. That's awesome because she doesn't even sound perfectly like you know her voice is slightly adjusted for Leela. Mm-hmm. You know she doesn't do like that. Ow, right. <laughs> Except there for that, that one, one episode. Ex- yeah, that I one know. <laughs> exactly, which is funny. Uh, but she was also on Sons of Anarchy for a great show uh, as well. And her just character, Peg, is just kind of like, I don't know, she's very lazy. She pesters them about money all the time. She's a shopaholic. That's all she really cares about. Uh, so that's her character. Kelly is played by Christina Applegate. Um, we know Christina Applegate from Don't Tell Mom the Baby- Babysitter's Dead, Anchorman. Um, and, you know, for this show, she was... Very much that dumb blonde uh, yeah. archetype, but also she was very cool and popular and also super sexy. Like, her sexualization was a big <laughs> aspect for the show, it seemed. To the point when every time she first comes up, first appears for an episode, you get the woo. Oh, yeah, exactly. The whole audience is doing their woos and, like, yeah. Anytime she, like, you know, bends over, the, you're going to get that audience, whoa, like just <laughs> woo, woo, wolf whistles and stuff. And it's just kind of kind of annoying listening to it now, but we'll, <laughs> we'll talk about that. Uh, Bud is played by David Faustino. He had the one of the le- least careers after this show. Right. He actually did a voice on the show Legend of Korra, which I think was a spinoff of um, 
Airbender. You know, with the, yeah, the last, last, Airbender. last Airbender. Yeah, exactly. So he was he was on that for a little bit, but nothing nearly as big as any of the other actors on the show, or mm-hmm. or at least those other main Bundies. Right. Um, but Bud is very unpopular, but he's kind of he's at least quick witted. He's definitely the smartest person in the family, <laughs> um, but he's also very distracted by his horniness. Yeah. He's just a horny. He's, kid. he's a teenage boy. He is. Uh, Marcy is played by Amanda Bierce. She was in that old movie Fright Night, oh. which I, I mean, I, I don't really know Fright Night all that well. I, th- I that wouldn't sounds even like, be surprised. Is, is that something Pad has covered? Because that's I like think so. Else. If they haven't, it's not something like they, like they would. Um, so check out if they have an episode. Go listen to that one. Uh, but actually, she's turned into a pretty solid TV director. She's directed mm. multiple episodes of Reba, Dharma and Greg, The Jamie Foxx Show, and she directed 31 episodes of Married with Children. Oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah, that's kind of really where her niche went into. Nice. Marcy was the annoying neighbor. She was kind of stuck up. She became best friends with Peggy uh, and kind of nemesis to Al was her character. I just want to say, hmm. being a TV director sounds like a pretty cherry gig. Now, and I'm, <laughs> I'm going to say this just for this, only because I've heard a few people, you know, for a few celebrities talk about uh, mm-hmm. you know directing tv you know most of the time you know a tv show has multiple directors and they'll bring in guest directors especially if it's a tv show that's been running for a long time it does yeah. and now and that's not to say you don't have to do anything but like the, a lot of these shows have been running for a long time so you don't really have to do a lot because they already know what to do i would think so too i never i never personally worked on like long-running tv shows like this but i would think like by the time you know, you've had a couple seasons under your belt, you know what the look is, you know, for everybody, all aspects of the show, like they know what they're doing. There's a formula, like almost all shows yeah. follow a same formula, especially sitcoms. And so I, I agree. I feel, I feel like it would be a nice cherry gig. And I've, I felt the way about, um, I'm going to kind of tie this into music a little bit. When I've played with, uh, in, you know, in orchestral situations, playing with like school orchestras, you know, collegiate orchestras and that sort of thing, a really good orchestra doesn't need the conductor. Mm. You really mm-hmm. just have the conductor to kind of start everything off, especially if it's if it's a piece that kind of runs itself, like you don't need them to really give you a lot of cues or anything like that. You know, a professional orchestra doesn't need the conductor. They literally could yeah. just have the concertmaster count everyone off and then just run the whole thing on their own. Yeah. But they still have it there for show. I mean, it's it it does a good conductor adds a lot of visual to what would or you know, you know, be kind of a boring situation going to see an orchestra in person. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's talk a little bit. Or well, there's two other characters I want to add in here. Steve, who was the first husband of Marcy, uh, played by David Garrison. He had small parts in plenty of different things, um, but nothing really huge I meant to bring up. Um, and he kind of just, you know, as the neighbor becomes friends with Al at some point. Uh, but he eventually left, left the show. <laughs> I think that well, I think they wrote him off. Um, they said they put him. Uh, he became he becomes a park ranger at Yosemite, and just like he le- <laughs> he leaves Marcy with a note. I actually ended up watching that episode oh. n- just completely out of random, not not on on purpose. I kind of picked I picked the pilot, and then I picked a random episode in the middle of season four, and it happened to be the episode that they wrote him off. Uh, I, they must have had like a mid season break, mm-hmm. and then they came back and they're just like yeah we're done with steve he's not we're not feeling it so they write him off and then soon enough they bring on jefferson uh jefferson darcy so he gets married to marcy marcy becomes marcy darcy uh which is <laughs> silly but yeah. it works yeah. uh, played by ted mcginley 
he was I most remember him from Revenge of the Nerds. Nerds. But he was also he was also on Dynasty, Love Boat, and Happy Days for yeah. pretty good runs. So, uh, but yeah, he's the second husband of Marcy. Apparently, and I never picked up on this just because I. And I'll, we'll transition into that, but I never really watched enough of the show. Apparently, his character is like a scam artist. He's like a con man, and apparently, he woke up married to Marcy one day, and he's just like that. Like that's his thing. He's a he's an unemployed loaf of a guy, um, and he's pretty much staying with Marcy for her money. And he befriends Al, and part of many of his schemes and stuff like that. But legitimately, his character is like ah, oh, he's like a criminal. He's like a con man scam artist guy oh i didn't know that now i didn't know that probably because i didn't watch this show all that much when i was a kid right i saw it here and there um i absolutely remember some of these things i i don't remember when i watched it because i mean there are absolutely things that i did watch this is a show that i you couldn't you couldn't hide from because right. it was it was a really popular show it also wasn't one that i feel like we watched all that much growing up i don't remember our mom letting us to watch it or really didn't care for the show yeah i don't think she did i i remember watching this probably mostly on my own Mm -hmm. and i didn't i watched it a lot but not enough to know like overarching storylines i you know i just kind of watched the episodic stuff of you know oh this episode here this episode there yeah i mean i i i thought it was funny and Mm -hmm. i had a a crush (laughs) that i like watching the show is that why you watch it alone Probably. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's probably like a teenager. Uh, but it's not who you think. Oh. Is I, did it not, I did not crush on Kelly. I was totally it? crushed on Peggy. Wow. That is interesting. I mean, yeah, Katie Seagal, beautiful woman. And they put her in some very like kind of tight fitting stuff sometimes. Like her tight. She had like tight tights and yeah. kind of like leopardy leopard print. print stuff. Yeah. I don't know why. I just, I I liked Peggy more, more okay. than Kelly. Man, oh. Honestly, it might have to do with, because Kelly was just dumb <laughs> yes she was and i kind of found that to be a turnoff <laughs> yeah so so the comedy in this show you know there was really a lot of it was from like the rapport between the family and them making fun of each other mm-hmm. like i, I saw so i just watching it this time as they get more of like uh you know somebody says something and then the other person kind of makes fun of them for it yeah. you know these little offhanded comments they were also a kind of a lower income family uh, having to deal with like, you know, money problems. It seemed like, you know, that was a reoccurring thing. You get that a lot with like Simpsons as well. And a lot of other like kind of family TV shows. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a show that appealed to a male audience. I would say it's kind of like that working class blue collar kind of people. I think even kind of similar enough to like the Roseanne kind of family. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's definitely a, a spot for that. Uh, but it's funny, the conservative group uh, Parents Television Council named Married with Children the worst show of both the uh, 95, 96, and 96, 97 television seasons, uh, which were the were sort of the first two years that this Parent Television Council was a thing. They uh-huh. said Married with Children is like the worst show for anybody to be watching. That's like the best thing you could do for Married with Children because now people <laughs> are going to watch it. Exactly. How dumb is that? Like, oh, I'm not supposed to watch that? Yeah, that's all I'm going to watch. Exactly. I got to ask, because we, we just talked about him. Did you prefer Steve or Jefferson? I preferred Jefferson. I did now, too. I thought he was well, he funnier. Just, yeah, he was definitely funnier. Um, I don't know. Yeah, Steve, Steve, not not to tie it too much, he kind of seemed like a drip as well <laughs> to go back to Walter. Not, yeah. not very much like Walter, but right. Jefferson at least just kind of had some more personality. Yeah, well, also, like, whenever Al would make fun of Marcy, Jefferson would laugh at it. Yes, yeah. (laughs) Very true. Yeah, he was a dick. 
there was a lot of specific comedy bits and things that I do remember from the show. Yeah, and things that you couldn't do at all today. Yeah. I mean, like the amount of fat jokes that they did. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Al, Al working specifically towards women. Yes, because he worked with him working in the um, the shoe store. He made fat jokes at these people's expense all the time. Yes. So, yeah, that would be pretty harsh. Uh, but like certain things or well, I guess, it, yeah, you tie to keep on. I mean, it's a very misogynistic show. There's no way the way that they had even Peggy, but definitely Christina Applegate massively super sexualized and wearing you know, very tight. Now, granted, they ha- I see them still nowadays putting, you know, women obviously in very tight clothes to sexualize them and, and whatnot. Um, but it felt it felt overt with like with the audience participation mm-hmm. in this show because it was constant. Oh, my God. Like the use of audience sounds was uh, watching it again was too much. for me. <laughs> I was gonna say, It was a bit much. Yeah. But so some of the different things that they did on the show that I remember uh, was. The family always begging for money, putting their hands out, and Al having to uh, comply, basically give them give them some cash. Um, little stupid things like you'd hear the toilet flush, and the entire audience would cheer. <laughs> Woo! Yeah! <laughs> the toilet flushing! Al's <laughs> taking a poo! Like... <laughs> hilarious obviously one of the biggest things i remember is al sitting on the couch with his hand down his pants yep and it wasn't even like all the way down he just kind of like tucks it in there yeah yeah now i'm absolutely when no one's around not when no one's around i mean i think a lot of guys sometimes you get a scratch sometimes you sit and sit into the tv and you enjoy a good scratch yeah very few things feel better than a good scratch al obviously another thing him just reliving his big rant about scoring four touchdowns in a game for polk high bundy (laughs) b-u-n-d-y al bundy made all city back in 66 four touchdowns and i'm not talking the whole year one game uh that was a you know one of the few things that he clung on to was his high school days he absolutely loved it but because now his glory days are gone, John, yeah. and we see that he's he's not loving life. The, also, he used to read a magazine called Biggins. Yeah. I always rem- <laughs> remember Biggins. <laughs> um, yeah, they constantly talked about like him going to strip clubs and all this other stuff. Like, right. And then they would have this thing, and I don't remember how many episodes they did it, but their dog, it's not, starting, starting at some season, and I don't remember when, the dog would start talking, like having internal monologues that you would hear. And that was kind of a strange thing. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that at all? Like yeah, hearing. Uh, was it? I wasn't even a dog. Buck. Yeah. Yeah, so. I did think that part was weird. Yeah, uh, but I mean, just different comedy. They were trying new things. I mean, hell, they did great. Eleven seasons. Yeah. Two hundred fifty-nine episodes. Uh, I do want to bring up the theme song "Love and Marriage," performed by Frank Sinatra. A horse and carriage this I tell you brother you can't have one without the other love and marriage love and marriage and I would say that song is actually kind of fitting really fitting for this episode because all those songs on sleepless in Seattle are pretty similar to this one yeah. in my opinion too so <laughs> except the only I think the problem now is 
that song is fully associated with Married with Children, and it's yeah. no longer like a romantic song like it probably was back in the day. Yeah. So how many episodes did you watch for uh, for this? Uh, I only watched a couple for this, um, but I've actually watched the show on and off a little bit over the last uh, few years because it's on Hulu. Yes. Yeah. So I've actually start. I had actually started watching it a little bit here and there. Um, I watched. Uh, I watched. I rewatched the pilot, mm-hmm. and then I watched a much later episode, which was really a weird episode because it was one where Al makes a deal with the devil and then ends up going to hell, and then his what? whole family and and the Darcys end up in hell. Wow, that that is a way jump the shark kind of. <laughs> yeah, and the devil been, yeah. was played. And it, the weird thing was, I I, I I I looked at a list of best episodes, and that was like on the top. And then I watched it and I was like, really? That was, the- I don't think that was the best episode. And The Devil was played by Robert England. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, uh, Freddy. The- yeah. Freddy Krueger. Okay. That's a good casting. Yeah. Um, and he was funny. And uh, it was just, it was a weird, weird episode. That very much sounds like it. Yeah. That sounds like a, probably like a season, season eight, season nine, or they're kind of starting to make some crazy ass stories. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, you know, like I said, I watched a, a good few from season four. I didn't really jump down. And then I watched, it's probably like four episodes that I watched. And uh, I'll just kind of roll into my final thoughts on this. Unless there's anything else specific you wanted to bring up about Made with Children. Nah. The show is okay. I don't think I can say that it holds up. Mm-hmm. It is very misogynistic and it's misogynistic and it's pretty damn crude. And I know that's part of the appeal for some. And I don't dislike that type of humor like that doesn't bother me but just overall i felt it was kind of meh for me now really watching it now i really got tired of the audience participation (laughs) and that was a huge part of it laugh tracks got overused for right now and just right now in sitcoms you know laugh tracks are still around but like this is this was a whole nother level people like literally every like everything that happened there was some kind of audience participation sound for it Mm -hmm. and it just, you know, oh, there's Kelly on the screen. Woo, I got a boner. Look at me, audience. I got the boners chuck full of boners for the audience. Oh, my God. I'll flush the toilet. Hilarious. I didn't get it now watching it. I just didn't think it held up. I think it was definitely a product of its time for the kind of late 80s, early 90s sitcoms that could be edgier, where you went through a long spell of sitcoms that were copy-paste boring the same they are the same old same old Mm -hmm. and here fox brings in some shows that are edgier you know for broadcast tv that is um, something different that a lot of people probably hadn't seen before and so that was for its time but now i mean shit you know you can go on and see some real crazy stuff to where now you go back and watch it's tame it's absolutely tame um for it but it's also it's annoying and not done I don't know, not done smart enough for me. I I think they really kind of appealed, not to sound too bad, but to like the lowest common denominator (laughs) for, uh, you know, for intelligence level on the show. It has its moments and it has some of its heart. You know, when the when the family has to stick up for each other, other, they will. Mm -hmm. But they're going to but they're going to, you know, make fun of each other up until that moment completely. Uh, So, yeah, I don't see myself going back and revisiting Married with Children personally. I, I just I didn't have a great time. That's fair. I really didn't either, especially the earlier episodes. It's one of those shows that I definitely remember watching as a kid and enjoyed then, but it's very much a product of its time mm-hmm. and probably just needs to say there. A lot of the humor was problematic. 
So I, I don't see myself going back and I tried, like I said, I tried kind of going back to watch some episodes and what are before this, you know, before watching this for mm-hmm. this podcast and I didn't, I didn't make it that far in before I stopped. And so I don't see myself continuing. If it pops up and I have a beer and I'm already scratching myself, <laughs> maybe it's that's the right time to get me for the show. Um, but it's certainly yeah not one I'm gonna reach out and like watch together with my wife. Right. This episode of the Blast From Our Past podcast is not brought to you by... Are you over 30 and tired of trying to find the right single man or woman? Then do what I did. Pick up your phone and call the romance hotline. 1-900-909-8000. I was skeptical the first time, but it's been really comfortable and fun meeting interesting singles like you over the phone. Hear recorded personal messages now by calling 1-900-909-8000. for the first minute, 45 cents additional minutes. Call the romance hotline now. Bet you'll meet someone just right for you. I did. All right, and now we're going to do the casting portion of the show. As we mentioned at the top, we are going to be recasting Married with Children using actors of today. Uh, we are going to do the entire Budley, but, uh, Budley, almost said, I don't know where that came from, the entire <laughs> Bundy family, uh, and uh, Marcy and Jefferson, because we don't really need to cast Steve. Yeah, fuck that guy. Yeah. So, um... I had a little bit of a difficult time with this one because mm-hmm. in my head, I'm like, you tr- you got to keep the family dynamic is what worked in the show. And so you kind of got to keep that. But at the same time, like, as I mentioned, the humor was problematic. So, you know, how do I consider this? So I, I don't know. I just kind of went f- with my gut on a lot of stuff. Um, why don't we start with Jefferson and Adam, why don't you start us off? Sure. So yeah, Jefferson, good-looking guy. He was he was a much better-looking dude than Marcy. You know if that if that makes sense. Like, <laughs> she was a much he was a much better-looking dude than Marcy was a well, good-looking. Well, you dude. know what I mean. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, and I kind of kept that same I don't know classicy good look uh, for my guy. Um, and I I was trying to stick to. They're also Marcy and Jefferson and Steve were kind of. The younger couple, even though they didn't really look any younger, mm-hmm. they were kind of supposed to be a slightly younger couple. And so I did, I did play it that route. Um, so the guy that I picked is 32 right now. So kind of doing that young love. That's what I was sticking into it, but I could see okay. him. Um, so that's how at least I played it. And he's kind of got those model good looks. And that's kind of just what I stuck to. I haven't seen much of what this guy does, but I've seen he's at least done some comedy stuff uh, with this movie called The Duff. Um, and probably some comedy enough stuff where he has been in um, The Flash for a couple episodes, The Tomorrow People, which is a show on CW. Uh, his name is Robbie Amell. Oh, that's and Stephen I, Amell's uh, cousin? Okay. Yeah, Stephen Amell, who played the Arrow. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that Robbie Amell is his uh, cousin. Okay. But he's to me, he actually he just kind of got that the good looks that uh, that Jefferson had. So That's fair. Yeah, I'm cool with that. Okay. Uh, I did not stick to the younger one. I honestly, Jefferson was the one I had the worst time casting, mm, mm-hmm. and so I just kind of settled on someone. And he may or may not be right for the role, but um, I wanted to pair him with who I picked for Marcy, and I think it worked. Uh, I went with Neil Patrick Harris. Okay, I mean, you've seen him play. I mean, he definitely he's a big name guy. 
Yeah, it's 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 a smaller role than I think he probably yeah. would be used to. Used to yeah, maybe they maybe there's you know he makes more. I mean Marcy was on like every single episode. That's so true. if you just have Jefferson be kind of become a little bit more of like that sidekick kind of character, he does that well. He did that obviously well in um, How I Met Your Mother as yeah. like a sidekick kind of guy, and even his character kind of fits in with you know not not the he's kind of the, the high class misogynist as opposed to like right. the middle lower class misogynist but I, yeah i like i like neil patrick harris and i'd like to see him how he would take that role okay i'll i'll take your pity <laughs> yeah it's not it's not pity it wasn't right. pity it's just it was just interesting it's a very it's just a different take than what i kind of went with okay all right well let's go to marcy and i'm gonna go first here is the one switch up that i did mm-hmm. i changed marcy uh everything else i kind of kept at a roughly one-to-one okay in my in mine, it's not Marcy, it's Martin. Okay. And he's gonna be played by Nico Santos from Superstore and Crazy Rich Asians. Oh, I love Superstore. Okay, 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 yes. Oh, I like that. And I like that it's a different that would also force if it, if if your Al Bundy character is going to be kind of at least a somewhat similar Al Bundy character, mm-hmm. it will kind of force him into, I guess. What, what you could kind of assume as more uncomfortable situations yeah. because he's got a uh, a gay neighbor, gay neighbors who then kind of become best friends with Peg and then they kind of become, they probably get into situations that he becomes friends with Jefferson. Yeah. But then uh, uh, Martin is his, like his, and it was, I like that. That is, this, oh, it's a good way to also modernize okay. Married with Children. That, I'll be honest. That was like my one good, not good thing, but that was like my one favorite thing about doing this. I was like, you know what? I'm going to change this up. I'm going to force him to yeah. interact with this gay couple, but he can become best friends with Jefferson. And when, you know, yes. when he realizes that that's not the problem, you know, the, the problem is just, yeah. they just don't get along, you know, yeah. regardless of anything exactly. else. They just, you know, Martin in this case, or whatever you want to call him and Al just yeah. don't get along. And and so that's fine. Yeah. I like that. He, and he's, he is awesome in Superstore. He's very sassy, very funny, uh, very, very quick. Him and mm-hmm. Cheyenne have a lot of good in, on that show. I'm a big fan of Superstore. And he is, uh, I could see him being very annoying, for like an annoying character that Al would would really hate. Yeah. So I cool. like that. Uh, all right, Bud. Well, don't you want to hear my Marcy? Oh, that's right. Oh, God, I'm sorry. <laughs> that's okay. Um, my Marcy, I kind of stuck kind of one-to-one to uh, the other Marcy where I did stick, like I said, um, younger character, um, where they're kind of in like that young love. And I kind of stuck to, not to say this person's not an attractive person, but I kind of stuck to kind of like that, you know, Marcy never gave off those vibes. Um, This actress, I thought she actually did a very good job playing kind of like a, I don't know, a nerdy, weird kind of girl in the show Girls. And so I think she could do exactly what I need, almost kind of even some annoying parts um, in Girl. And I have trouble pronouncing her name. It's either Zosia Mamet or Zoswa Mamet. I'm not sure. It's Z-O-S-I-A Mamet. Uh, M-A-M-E-T. Uh, Mame, maybe. Okay. But I liked her a lot in the show Girls uh, from at least those early seasons that I watched. So, I did not watch it, uh, the show. Was it good? I mean, I heard it I, got a lot of critical acclaim. It did get a lot. Of, I, season one, I think, is fantastic. I started dropping off by the end of season two, and then I just didn't return. And then... Lena Dunham just in her personality in real life made me realize I don't want to watch that show because I don't like <laughs> Lena Dunham. Okay. So, but besides that, I think the show has some good stuff. There were some incredibly funny moments with. I think you're right uh, when it's Zoja. That looks exactly like Zoja. Okay. So Zoja, the, the, her character of Shoshana has some very funny moments, particularly when she's like 
really high on like drugs uh, <laughs> on, on this on one of the first or one of the earlier episodes of season one. I think it was. Um, but it's very funny. So that's that's what kind of made me, you know, f- feel that she could be my Marcy. Okay, cool. All right. All right. All right now let's get to Bud. Yes. Now uh, we get to Bud. The, this was also the other one I had a little bit of a tough time with, uh, mm. but uh, uh, eh, I kind of got through it. Uh, let's let's start with you on this. Yep. Um, I think my actor is probably oh yeah, yeah he's nineteen right now. So I I aged up my well, I mean, they can all obviously they'll have to play like maybe a couple years younger, but I led like I'll just tell you my Kelly's probably going to be in college. I'll say she's maybe not college, maybe community college. Uh. Kelly or something like that, if she well, if she can even get into college, but Bud is probably like you know maybe a little. They're both a little bit older than what the original show started with. So um, my actor, he has done some different sitcom stuff. He was in, he has been in a sitcom called Instant Mom uh, for sixty five episodes. So he understands kind of sitcom life, and he's done some other small things. He doesn't have a bunch of credits, but. I'm sure he could do what I needed. I went with uh, Tylen Jacob Williams as my bud. Okay, I want I that name sounds familiar. I wonder if I've used him in a casting. It's possible. I yeah. I mean, I don't really know anything about him. So plus, it's you know, uh, it, yeah. it's 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 kind of kid acting casting. Kind of. I have noticed. I just noticed he hasn't done acting since 2017. So maybe he's moved on. But it's time for come front time for a comeback, Tylen. Uh, <laughs> let's do it. I believe in you. There we go. This is, this is the show that's going to bring him back. Yep. Um, I kind of went with a an old standby. Mm-hmm. Um, Bud is he's funny but kind of awkward yeah. uh, in a way. So I went with uh, an actor who's kind of playing that part now. Um, he looks very young, but he's seventeen or eighteen right now. I, I think I know exactly where you're going to go. Okay, where am I going? The, you're going to Stranger Things. I am. And you're going to uh, Gattazano, or what's that kid's name? Um, Gatton. Gatton. Matarazzo. Mat- That's yeah, exactly that where I went. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I mean, he, you're not far off, and that's a good call, because he can probably play that like extra horny and kind of like already nerdy yeah. stuff he's but, got on lock. And Bud is a little bit of an asshole, so... He can yeah. kind of play. I mean, not that he doesn't play that on Stranger Things, but he could. You know, it would give yes. him a little bit of range on, in that perspective. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a good good call. Okay, cool. Uh, all right, Kelly. Uh, I did have a little bit of a tough time with Kelly, but I, well, I, yeah, she she's one dimensional. She is one dimensional, and I don't know that anyone would want to play that. So you'd have to change it up a little bit. Yeah, and that's not to say she can't be sexual, but it's let's you know we might have to adapt the character for modern yeah. time. Um, I had a little bit of a tough time with this cause I didn't know where I want, but I think I, I did the same as you, Mike, uh, Mike Kelly is going to be in college, mm-hmm. not high school, not high school. Cause especially cause like you don't need to sexualize the high school girls. Yeah. Let's sexualize college girls. <laughs> <laughs> hey, oh, we know they're legal. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, my actress, I think she's in her mid twenties right now. Not mid twenties, like early twenties. So it could still work. Um, it's I went with Chloe Grace Moretz. Okay, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's actually that's the that's the uh, that's the reaction I expected. Was, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Me. I kind of to say I didn't like think of her. I guess at some point too. But yeah, I mean, I think I think she's better than that role. 
you're, as weird you're as that probably sounds. right. Yeah. That's why I said we were going to have to change the character up somehow. Yeah. Do something so. to to make a, a more appealing character. Fair enough. Uh, all right. Who did you go with? Uh, Christine, or not Christine Applegate. Uh, Kelly is, as I said, very one-dimensional. And so, I don't know. I was looking for a very attractive person. Uh, and I said, so this one's in college. She's 22 right now. Um, I'm sure she could play exactly what I what I need. She is very attractive. She's done some comedy stuff. She was in one of those American Pie bajillion movies that they do. <laughs> uh, this one was called American Pie Presents Girls Rules. Uh, and I'm sure it's terrible. But she was also in some different shows. Um, also did a voice for The Lion Guard. Uh, okay. Up until 2019 uh, for just a few episodes, for six episodes. But she's done multiple different stuff. Uh, she was in a show called Lab Rats as well, which is, kind of, I think, a comedy kind of show um, for, like, Disney back in the day. Uh, but her name is Madison Pettis, and she is gorgeous. And I'm like, yep, you could be the next hot one-dimensional Kelly. <laughs> uh, she is gorgeous. She is yeah. absolutely gorgeous. She's been in a lot of stuff. Yeah, she's got, exactly. She's got a good amount of credits. Good amount of stuff. Done some Disney stuff. That's not surprising. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I think oh, that's kind of She did kind the of voice of she... Izzy in Jake and the Neverland Pirates. See, I... What is... What is that? It's what a, is Jake it's a, in the Neverland? It's a Disney show, which okay. I know because I had kids who were at that oh, right wow. age. Yeah. She had 93 episodes. So yeah. She was on a... Uh, pretty- Izzy was one of the main characters. Okay. So, I, I mean, that, I'm not shocked at, uh, at all by that one. So, that's mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. I'm all for that. All right. This is and all, she's hot. That, yeah. <laughs> this is the one benefit or detriment to having children is you get to know the kids' shows really yeah. well. Yes, yeah, that makes sense. And you have your favorites. As a parent, you have your favorites. They're like these are ones I can watch. Yeah. What I, I can already say this as a show that I could I could totally rewatch. You know, if if uh, my kids went back to it, I actually and sometimes they do. Is uh, uh, Phineas and Ferb? Oh yeah, I think it's one of the she, smartest TV yeah. shows for kids ever made. And she did uh, eleven episodes on Phineas and Ferb as well. So there we go. I think Madison that, Pettis gets your seal of approval. I, yeah, she definitely gets my seal of approval for that one. Okay. All right, Peggy. I was excited about this one. Okay. Um, uh, I'm going to let you go first, though. I'm excited about this one as well. We've done this a couple times, and I really felt this was the right thing to do for this show. I thought of a couple different people, and ultimately, I just thought, why screw with something, bring somebody back, and make it fit perfectly? I put Christina Applegate as okay. my Peggy. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we've done that kind of thing a couple times, like with you know, and I think it's I think it's a cute idea. I think at first she knows that character well and let her kind of have her own spin. Yeah, she get a chance to playing a, yeah. a different person in that world. Mm-hmm. I'm yes. I'm fine with that. I'm totally fine with that. Uh, Christina Applegate's about she's at the right age now, so yeah, maybe a little bit older, but that doesn't seem she's to a me- little bit older. That doesn't seem to mean anything any well. The actors today look like decades yes. younger. <laughs> Than they yeah, have. they do. So exactly, it means nothing. Uh-huh. You could be eighty years old and, and playing a college student nowadays. Yeah, very true. <laughs> like Blue, <laughs> you're my boy, Blue. Yep. Uh, I did uh, n- uh, not do that. Uh, oh, okay. I thought I thought you were I thought you were saying that to really go. Oh, I did the same thing. I was like, yeah, I was ready to uh, cheer. No, I'm sorry. Uh, okay. I did not. I did not do that. I picked a different actress um, who uh, I love. I think she's an underrated actress and and doesn't. She, I think she kind of got pigeonholed for a while, but I I think she I think she did get a, a little bit more of her acclaim when she was on My Name Is Earl. Uh, I went with Jamie Presley. That's a very good pick, and because of things like My Name Is Earl, I think 
I think her style fits really well. Um, yeah, probably again, probably probably in that same similar age. No, 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 no. She's a little bit younger than um, Christina Applegate. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, age wise, she's right in that spot. Um, she'll definitely bring continue to bring like that sex appeal that that Katie Seagal brought as well. Mm-hmm. And she kind of just really fits in that. I don't know that that kind of. Um, that working class, lower, like, I don't want to say lower class, but you know what I mean. Work, like yeah, the lower working class. Income, blue collar. Yeah, working class, blue collar kind of, like she does those kind of movies and work, and, and acts like that yeah. very well. So She's on, she's a re- series regular on Mom now, so. Yeah, yeah, she's doing a good. Yeah, and it, with, with My Name is Earl as well. Yeah, she's, that's a great call. That's a really good call. Cool. I, that was, that was my first pick, and I, just, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I'm, I, I obviously I'm going to pick Jamie Presley, so. Yeah, she is, she is, man, she's really attractive. Yeah, she is. Oh. Have you ever have you ever seen have you ever seen her Poison in, uh, Ivy? Poison Ivy, yeah, yeah, yeah. damn straight. <laughs> well, I've seen um, you've seen, seen the clips. You've never seen the yeah, whole movie. Yeah, I've, yes. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's move on from that. Speaking of misogynist, uh, let's go to Al. Going to Al, uh, very misogynist Al. Yes. Uh, I'll go ahead with my Al. Um, I didn't reach too far for this one. Um, he's played characters sim- not similar to this, but like enough where I could believe the jump. To misogynist, I went with Nick Offerman. Yeah, that, his his he crossed my mind. I didn't I didn't go that route, mm-hmm. but he absolutely crossed my mind. And so you just make him less of like you know an honorable person and just make him kind of a kind of a misogynistic ass, and yeah. I think that works. So yeah, yeah, I don't dislike it. Yeah, it's I mean I went with some f- a few very obvious ones, but I'm mm-hmm. I was fine with it. Yeah, all right, wow, no, me, no issues with that one. Wow, me. I'm, well maybe I'll wow you. All right. This guy, not to say he's played misogynist, but he's definitely played kind of like man's man. Mm-hmm. Um, I needed, I wanted somebody who had sitcom credit okay. to his name. Uh, so I kind of even thought Jason Lee. He was actually the first name I wrote down because uh, of my name is Earl mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. So I thought maybe my, uh, Jason Lee. Um, but then I kind of shifted and um, I got to this guy. I thought I was just kind of searching around. And I saw him and I was like, you know what? Your character is definitely smarter than Al, but he can play dumb. Um, but he definitely had like, kind of like that guy's guy mentality uh, when he was playing Doctor Turk in Scrubs. I put Donald Faison as my Al. I I like that, and I can and I can see him being like an old high school football star or something. He even kind of has that vibe to him. Yeah. Um. And so, so I I I just I I I stuck it stuck to my guns, and I'm like, you know what, Donald Faison, I think would would do could do this job. I like that. I like that call okay. a lot. All right, cool. I'm cool with that. I think some uh, some pretty good choices overall. Yeah, this was a hard one. It was a it, hard one for me to get really wowed at. Like, yeah, and, and 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 even just listening to us talk about it, I was just like, Ugh, I like it, but like you know, it's not. This is not getting me super excited, and I'm not sure I want to bring back a show that's like exactly. <laughs> you know, how can we? Yeah, I, I do like it how you changed it to like you know what we're gonna you know hopefully modernize this up a little bit. Maybe maybe we can see some growth in Al because mm-hmm. um, there's really no growth in Al over uh, yeah <laughs> over the original that is true so it does yeah. need to, it need it does need to go somewhere yes all right well that was our recasting of Married with Children please join us next time for another album review episode. John and Adam get together and go all rock 
as they review the live album, Throwing Copper. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time. Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades, with categories ranging from movies, TV and music, to slang, food, and fashion. You're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it.